Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's your old pal, Carl Franklin. Hey, and this is Richard Kemp. Hey. Hey. <laughs> now, how much would you pay? Yeah, Still nothing. <laughs> yes. But wait. <laughs> we'll double your order for the same shipping and handling. Yeah, for the same price, you could listen to up to 1,760 other episodes of .NET Rocks. Do not uh, listen at three times speed or your brain will break. <laughs> how you been, man? I've been good. I, you know, I went on, uh, of course, a little time shifting here, but I did an in-person conference. I went to KCDC. No online components whatsoever. The whole show was in person, about a thousand attendees. Wow. It was uh, an experience, you know, it's the first one since uh, the before time. Yeah, I saw some pictures that uh, people had posted. It looked, looks like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, people, we're enjoying ourselves, and but everyone is a little uncomfortable too. Like yeah, they're sure. out of practice. Sure. Uh, and uh, you know that whole party each night thing of a conference thing. Yeah. And we're not good at that anymore. No. I don't think it's just that we're older. We're just out of practice. And right. So you know, by that last party, we're all everybody's got that look on their face, like I, I really need to go to bed. <laughs> I saw a picture of three bearded guys, and the caption was the wizards. Uh, right, it Wizards was uh, um, Neward, Ted Neward, and uh, Royce, and um, Lee Brandt. Lee Brandt, yeah, yeah. yeah he's all there. <laughs> he, he, well, he's a very large human. Well, he's also <laughs> just a brilliant human. Like very, he is very, a wizard. very smart. Yeah. There is not a lot of people who just turn around, hoist me off my feet, and kiss me on my forehead. But <laughs> Lee Brandt could do that. Yeah. So. Good drummer too. <laughs> Yeah, he can play. Yeah. All right, enough chit-chat. Let's roll the crazy music for Better Know a Framework. Awesome. All right, man, what do you got? I actually have a repository that I built. What? Yeah. Are you talking framework stuff on Better Know a Framework? That's weird. Actually, yeah. And it's other people's frameworks that, you know, like what I like to do is build demos and build... Uh, more layers on top, and uh, that's it. So this is... The correct answer is another layer of abstraction. I absolutely, that. yeah. So this is episode number 1761. So if you go to 1761.pwop.me or plop.me, that brings you to my demo, which is Dapper Demo. So... Um, What's a Dapper Demo, dude? Well, you know what Dapper is, right? Yeah, D-A-P-R, Dapper. No, well, there's another D-A-P-P-E-R. So this okay. is a this is a sequel a, a light sequel thing that uh, uses ADO. It's really fast and uh, mm -hmm. it goes it goes really well with websites. Whereas Entity Framework, hmm, not so much. You know, so this is a great way to get that sort of Entity Framework abstraction with entities and all that stuff. Except that it uses SQL uh, on the inside, and when you're using Dapper, you basically get this, uh, you get an abstraction on the database connection, you get some extensions, and you can execute SQL passing an entity. So mm -hmm. you don't have to actually set up commands, you don't have to set up types, you just simply make a SQL statement for your parameters, you just do at whatever, you know, the field name is. Cool. Uh, and then pass the entity and it does the rest. So it's, it's pretty cool. But what I wanted to do is make a generic repository because this has been my kind of thing lately, the repository right. pattern. You create an interface with your get and your delete and your insert and your update. And my um, repository interface has a, a get with an expression for mm -hmm. a filter and an array of properties that you can include and also an order by, you know, and I, whatever the interface this is. is the common pattern right it's what most people need yeah right exactly so that you can retrieve by whatever criteria you want you decide at the client right. so um i had to use a couple other tools to get that one of them is called link to dapper mm -hmm. and link to dapper gives you that sort of nice link syntax around dapper without having to do any of that stuff and then there's another right. one called dapper contrib which gives you statements like insert, update, delete, Weird. right? So you don't even have Weird. to write any SQL. Right. Yeah, in a perfect world. But of course, there are situations where based on, you know, if the primary key isn't an int, for example, 
yeah. you can't do an insert because it's going to try to return an int. Yeah. Right. Little problem with that. But anyway, problem. so I ended up getting a full repository that I can reuse and I can add in my startup to the uh you know to the services with one line. And um it's pretty pretty effing beautiful. You get so all you're sharing with the world. Some sharing with the world, and I also uh it's um demoed in Blazer Train episode fifty-eight. So if you go to blazertrain.com, scroll down to fifty-eight or just search for Dapper. That's the that's what I got, man. It's pretty good. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So who's talking to us today, Richard? Gravity comment off a show 1696, which is back from July of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. We talked to one's Mads Torgidson. Maybe you heard of him. Uh, yeah. Uh, a little bit about C sharp nine, you know. But you know, the number they, they rev this darn dot net thing every year now, so there's always another dot net. Mm. But Martin Rangi, who's a long term listener and I think has gotten a few good things from us over the years, said, uh, always interesting to hear about C sharp development. When it comes to record types, I'm, of course, looking forward to it. But I wonder when we are going to see union types in C-sharp, which I believe are as important as record types. When you have succinct ways to create records and union types, you have an algebra of types. And when you get started using that, you never want to be without it again. Right. Also, with ERS is a great update to flat objects. But when you have nested immutable objects, it gets messy to do updates. What do you think of the possibility long-term to have a lens or prism or optic support in C-sharp to support nested updates easily? Hmm. Which curiously ties into your whole Dapper conversation about managing updates and inserts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll have to ask uh, Mads about that. So, Martin, thank you for your comment. A copy of Music to Go By, it's on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Go By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on Facebook because we comment, we publish it there too. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, We'll send you a copy of Music to Go By. And uh, definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet and make sure you address it to the Department of Redundancy Department. Nice. Yeah. I've been to that department. I know those guys. I've been there over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it, Mads is waiting in the wings. We can't wait to talk to him about C Sharp 10. Of course, Mads Torgerson is the program manager for the C-sharp language at Microsoft and runs the C-sharp design meetings. And prior to joining Microsoft in 2005, he was an associate professor at the University of Aarhus. Did I say that right? Well, that was beautiful. Uh, yeah, well done. Yeah, doing programming language research. Thank you. I think I might have read that one a couple of times before. So somewhere in the back of my brain, Aarhus. Not Aarhus. Well, that is the... if you. If you hear it in Danish, it is Aarhus. Yeah. But I guess the so, internationalization is Aarhus. I think so. Yeah. The the stupid American version. <laughs> hey, you I'm know, talking about myself. Don't write me. <laughs> I'm Amer I'm American too now. Um, yeah. So you're, you're kind of dissing me there too. Okay. Well, <laughs> join the boat. I'll make fun of both of you. <laughs> so, Same uh, continent. This is a loaded question, Mads, but what's new in C-sharp 10? <laughs> oh, funny you should ask. This is why I get paid the big bucks, man. There's I come his up job. with the He's searing done. questions that nobody oh, else is begin? thinking of. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, C-sharp 10 coming up. The first release that we, the first major release of C-sharp that was done in just a year, hmm. that's going to be... Um, how we roll going forward, mm. and um, uh, it going to that cadence means that we're we're finishing a lot of things or or continuing on a lot of things that were started earlier, and we're starting a lot of things that will only come to fruition later. Yeah. So there's right. sort of more like a train model where we can build some things, and when they're done, we ship them in the next version of the language that comes by. Mm. I got I got to think that changes the way you approach features. Knowing you have a fixed ship date, it's just at some point you assess, is this making this build or not? You know, do you actually move team members around where at some point was like, well, you've you've gotten far enough into this that we know this is not going to make November. So I'd rather have you help finish this other thing. That happens to some degree. Yeah. yeah certainly on the implementation end of it. Also a little bit. I mean, there's we're just coming out of uh, a period where we're finishing up C-sharp 10 
in terms of implementation. And, and so a lot of like short-term questions come up that also means that the language design team has a seasonality to it as well, where right now mm -hmm. we've mostly been delving into very short-term, very detailed, like, oops, we forgot to think about this bit. How do we fix that before we ship kind of things? Right. So you start, because you've had some previews out there now, you, are you getting feedback from folks? It's like, oh, we didn't think of you using it that way. Let's make some changes. Exactly. exactly. Okay. That's, that's good though. That's straight it, customers trying your stuff. Mm -hmm. That is how we want it. Um, and, mm -hmm. and in fact, one of the things that we are shipping quote unquote in, in C sharp 10 is not part of C-sharp 10, but it's a preview of a C-sharp 11 feature that we've already built the first version of. Wow. But that is so sweeping and so mind-boggling that we want to get loads of feedback on it uh, before we we commit to a certain shape of it. Interesting. So, so that's something new that we've we've started, or something we've started to focus in on more is having previews of a language feature already in the, with the previous uh, language version. So, um, so I guess to start with that, even though it isn't officially part of C sharp 10, everyone will be able to try it out. It's, um, it's a feature for the feature, the language feature is, uh, allowing abstract statics in interfaces. So you can have static members that an interface requires and then implementing classes and structs have to provide that static member. Interesting. And, and now when you use such an interface as a generic constraint, well, you can use those static members in on that generic type, on that type parameter. So would they be and, public by nature or can they be private? That public is generally the way to go. Right, because that's um, what an interface so, is all about. Yeah. So just like interface members but static. And yeah. the the big there are many things you can do with this that are once you start thinking about it, um, but the but probably the most interesting uh, application of it is for math. Because one kind of static members is operators. And so now interfaces can start specifying operators. Uh, mm. And like everyone who implements this interface better have a plus operator and a minus operator. Yeah. And, uh, and now you can write generic algorithms, generic numeric algorithms that look decent, you know, that have, uh, that have operators applied, even though the members inside are, are, um, you know, abstracted by a type parameter. Yeah. You can start expressing things like matrices and so on in terms of, well, the thing inside has to have these ma math capabilities, like the elements of the matrix have to have these math capabilities so that I can do my matrix level math operations that, you know, uh, cross products and whatnot, ma matrix multiplication and the elements, whatever they are, are guaranteed to support that. So it's, so by having this, type level instead of instance level abstraction mechanism. That's sort of really allowing that kind of thing as well. Other scenarios are around, you know, abstracting over uh, creation, object creation, like, um, a, you know, essentially having a create method of a certain shape that, okay. um, you know, something you do before you have an instance. So you can't, you, you can't do it on the instance. You have to do it on the type. Yeah. So that's a big one that we spend a lot of time on in this time frame, just so that we could put a preview out. So that people can start working with the um, with the language feature and the math abstractions that we're also putting out in preview in in the uh, BCL in, in the core framework, hmm. um, and and kind of beat on and help us bake enough that by the time the next .NET and C# -sharp roll around, we have um, excellent support for um, math abstraction. Right. I found the. Um the issue in, in the in the C sharp line GitHub repository, which you I think you wrote the original verb or published the original version is in February of 2021. So it's been a few months. There's hundreds of comments on it, lot, lots of conversation. How long is something like that brewing in your head <laughs> before you write out an issue? Like you wrote out a heck of a descriptor here. It was very well thought out before you stuck it into GitHub. Well, this particular feature was for first prototyped in C-sharp uh, a good decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so like in this, in the four time frame. Yeah, pretty much. And we had serious discussions about it in the C-sharp language design meetings. Of course, this is all before we went public and, right. And so the records of it are not out in public, 
but um but yeah we had a prototype of it but it required deep runtime changes in order mm -hmm. to implement and we weren't back then we didn't like doing those because that's back when you know classic.net framework was a windows component and if you if you put new features into the runtime then how can you make sure that those features are there when you deploy the programs that rely on them right uh, so with and now, Core, and now you're going into the Windows war room for shipping, like yeah, that, that yeah, was that was a tough way to live. Yeah. So uh, so we essentially just that for a pretty much for a, a decade of .NET's history, we veered away from any language features that would require runtime changes, right? Evol require evolving the expressiveness of the runtime. We did like async, for instance, was done entirely as uh, compiler tricks, even though it had probably been much better to do it to do it as a runtime feature because we right. could touch the runtime. So the compiler did all this voodoo to, to yeah. just uh, to make it work on top of an oblivious runtime. And now we can, but now we can do those things. We're .NET Core based, um, deploys independently yeah. on of everything else, um, and so we can just require. A certain runtime version in order to run a certain language feature. Mm -hmm. Right. This is a fascinating version of Conway's law, right? This idea that systems tend to reflect the organizations that build them. That yeah, yeah, the, I guess. the political tension between teams affects where features appear, you know, based on the the difficulty of getting it through the the, the team reviews. Rather, it's like I'll just build it here, even yeah. though it's not necessarily the best place for it to live. That's <laughs> absolutely true. And um, yeah, <laughs> and it also means that if you if you reorg wisely, you can get things built in better places. And um, yeah, right now we are the all of .NET is organizationally very close to each other, and we um, we do a lot of our features are collaborations across these boundaries. We have collaborations with the runtime, as in this case, with the BCL, mm -hmm. with uh, ASP.NET, which We'll get to in a minute. A lot of what we did mm -hmm. in C Sharp 10 was general purpose C Sharp language features that happened to be really, really useful for the ASP.NET agenda in this in this sure. cycle. Because they were able to do that. And and I I really want to go there, but I'm in this rabbit, I'm in a little bit of a rabbit hole now. Is it like now that you have this realignment of the teams and a and a different relationship with them? Do you go back and refactor async to put parts into the 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 runtime that would make more sense? Ideally, we might do such a thing. Uh, we mm -hmm. have not we have not really prioritized it yet, and I'm also uncertain whether it would be worth the trouble to yeah, do that. You anything, sure. Yeah. Why why it, why mess with it when it ain't broken? But I I got to <laughs> yeah. imagine if you. You're going to hit a feature limit on on the current implementation. He's like, you know, we, we, this would be we could add these new capabilities if it was architected differently, and by and meantime, clean up some of the compromises we may have made in the past. Yeah, and um, it's been discussed, but the 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 problem we always have is that such a re-architecting is rife with breaking changes, and we're yeah. really sort of. Uh, trying to avoid those, you know. Uh, oh, my async code it, as of ten years ago stopped working because you yes. you tinkered with something that didn't even have surface level value. It just yeah maybe it didn't even them. add a feature. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but we have looked at, and I we'll see if it comes to fruition. But we have looked at are there ways that we can improve limited scenarios around async, like some mm -hmm. um, some what you you might say like core. Uh, golden path scenarios where we could do something because we can tinker with the runtime, right? Right. So, so speaking of non sequiturs, <laughs> let's talk about structs. Sure. Uh, structures. Um, I've just noticed that in every rev of C sharp, it seems lately, structures are looking more and more like classes, and uh, you know, of course, their value types. They're they're they'll. If it was a reference type, and it would be a class, but but um, I, I just see like all these features, these class-like features sneaking into structures, and uh, I just you know that's it's an interesting observation I think, and you 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 do have some new stuff with uh, with C sharp ten. You want to talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, it's almost as if in C Sharp 9, we did the opposite. We gave classes the option of being more like structs. In oh, that that's interesting. When, in that we introduced records, and they were sort of, they, the, the core idea with records is that they are classes. They're reference types. They have inheritance and all that. Mm. But mm -hmm. they're intended to represent values with, you know, typically with immutable state right. uh, as opposed to representing an object that evolves over time. Yeah, right. Uh, it's still useful to have reference types like that, both because you can then have, still have inheritance hierarchies and express your, you know, abstract over your domain that way. And also, um, you know, uh, reference references have a completely different um, performance profile, and mm -hmm. they have virtual methods, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, but how can we make them behave like values? Because people wanted that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what we did uh, was, to a large extent, mimic how structs already work, and then try to generalize that into a, a the the setting of classes. And then we added some concepts on top of that, uh, such as um, uh, you know, so we already some structs. We kind of get the the, the value-based equality, for instance, where you can where you compare two for equality by comparing the contents rather right. than just comparing the references. Uh, but we also added things like non-destructive mutation through the with expressions, mm. where you can grab one and you can get another that's like it with a few things changed by saying, you know, take that old one, literally use the keyword with, and then you put an object initializer on it to say, how should this one be different? And that 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 was, and then we have a few other things like um, um, what do we call them? Um, primary constructors. A few things that were nice with records yeah. to make them sort of terse and delicious. And we were like, well, we actually went beyond what structs can do. So in C sharp ten, why don't we take that beyond and we push it back to structs? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now we have struct records as well as class records All in right. C sharp ten. And you, if you declare a struct a record, you can also have a primary constructor and those things. And then we actually went a little further because we said, well, with expressions, the uh, the non-destructive mutation, that only all that that requires is that the value knows how to copy itself. Right? We need a copy of the value that we can then mutate according to the object initializer. And now you have one that's a little different. And all structs can copy themselves. So why don't we just allow with expressions and all structs, regardless of whether they're declared with the record keyword, which is a newly allowed, or whether there's a good old struct that you've had sitting around all the time. So we give new programming capabilities with existing structs as well. Uh, you know, that might have been intended to be immutable for a while or just intended to be used in that fashion where you create new modified ones from old ones. So yeah, we kind of did a, a little bit of a push there to bring structs along on the um, on the record journey, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it, they almost seem so similar now. Like the way you're describing it, they have much of the same capabilities. Well, all is equal. There's no reason to have gratuitous differences. You're right. They, you just want one to be a day, value and one to be a reference. Yeah, at the end of the day, they they have some. They are laid out differently in memory, and that leads to some different capabilities and some different um, advantages, some different drawbacks. With uh, you know, with classes, you get garbage collection, which has one kind of performance profile. With um, with structs, you get copying, which has another performance profile. Um, it's good and bad in different ways, right? right. And so mm -hmm. you still have a people still have a, a design space there to use them, but there's no reason to have gratuitous differences where something that they both would be able to do can only be done by one of them. And that's sort right, of what right. we try to, we try to equalize them back in that sense in C-sharp time. And calling back to Martin's comment at the beginning of the show, what about unions then in the context of, of records or discriminated unions? Yeah, so um, it's it's funny because discriminated unions, we, we really started digging into this at some point and then we got just too overwhelmed with records and we said, we'll do it later. And I. It's an intention for us to do it again in the C Sharp 11 timeframe that we're starting up now um, in that cycle uh, to really dig in. One thing that comes out when you start looking at discriminated unions is that there are many different interpretations of what that even means. <laughs> hmm. Right, yeah. Uh, it's There are a couple of 
core differences between different um, notions of discriminated unions. And we have to make sure that the combination we pick, which might be one of the existing ones or a new one we have to come up with, that it's one that is a useful addition to C-sharp and a good yeah. fit with the existing language. Um, one, of the, one of the differences is whether a discriminated union is essentially one of unrelated types. Now, you declare, I'm a union of uh, int, bool, and string, you know, and, right. I can t and I can tell which one it is, or is it sort of like a closed inheritance hierarchy where they can have a base type that they share, and then it's sort of different specializations of that base type. And you can express one in terms of the other, but, but, but they make different kinds of programming natural. Um, so that's and one. It, this is something that F Sharp does, right? I mean, it, I I don't want you just going around copying F Sharp features into C Sharp either, for the sake of the sake of doing it. Like, if someone's really interested in that style of programming, maybe F Sharp's a better place for them. Yeah, I think the first question to ask is why is inheritance not good enough for you? If you want to have different <laughs> different shapes that are abstracted under the same thing, why is inheritance not good enough for you? And I'm not, I don't mean that in sort of like a a passive aggressive way. I really mean yeah. that question, like. The answer to that question is the answer to how should we do discriminated unions in C-sharp, if at all. Right. I get it. What do they bring to the table that you don't have just fine or that we couldn't get to with just a little like syntactic sugar on top of inheritance or something? Right. The point being that F-sharp is not an inherited model. And so discriminated unions play a more important role there. Yeah. I mean, they you can do inheritance in F-sharp, but it's not it's it's not the, not the primary there. thing you would reach for. Right. And so. Yeah. That's, you know, discriminated unions as the foundation of how you have sort of polymorphic data types is mm -hmm. one thing. That's that's the F-sharp way, but we already have a way of doing that. And that's called inheritance mm -hmm. and interface yes. implementation, you know, subtype abstraction. And to what extent is, um, to what extent is adding discriminated union unions really supplementing that with a good tool, and if it does, to what extent does it then fit in well with what's already there? Mm, um, right. And so you still have sort of a, a holistic, holistically nice language that that sort of shares a, you know, has has a similar feel to it. So so there are these deep questions that we don't actually we're not sure we have the answers to yet, and we but we get so many requests for discriminated unions that there are several people we can ask. We can say, hey, what do, what, what do you want out of them? What what yeah. What, what do you mean when you say I want discriminated <laughs> unions? And, and if they say, I just want to program F-sharp and C-sharp, we're like, why Why don't you pro program F-sharp and F-sharp? <laughs> but, yes. uh, but, <laughs> but to the extent that there's really some expressiveness there uh, that C-sharp programmers could make use of, and I think there are many ways that there could be, um, then we, sh we should really take it up and we should find the right avenue on it. It's just, it turned into, just like records, people forget now that we figured out how to do them, but records, was a really open-ended question for C Sharp as well. Yeah, and also, sure. Yep. Also one with with many different uh, forms of prior art. And in yeah. the end, we chose to sort of invent our own, right? To not go with anything that any other language has. Uh, because so we needed most record uh, abstractions, most record features in other languages don't work well with inheritance, for instance. We were like, well, just has to work well together. That is. Right. Yeah, and so we figured out how to do it, and um, and that's how it became. It, it's what a C sharp person would expect from records, right? Yes. rather than taking yeah. another implementation. What would really be a good, useful, full fledged C sharp feature called records? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so we have to take the time to do that deep dive. And I know people are getting impatient with us because we've said, um, we've talked about unions for probably five years now or so, but you know. Think about think about those uh, those uh, static uh, interface members that we've talked about those for over a decade before we started adding them. So you know <laughs> things take time. But but now you're feeling better about it, even though it's still probably another year away, possibly longer. Yeah, I I I feel that we have maybe I'm a maybe that sounds a little braggy, but I think we have a we have a good approach to these things, which is that we take our time figuring out how they can be right mm. for C-sharp. 
and we mm-hmm. do, so we are, we are definitely eager to do innovation and we are we are adding things aggressively to c sharp mm. but we don't do it until they're baked yeah like that is sort right. of a that is a deal right we we try very hard to evolve with the times but we also try very hard to keep it all together and make it feel um like it fits together so that is that's sort of the the, the trade-off that we'll try to do with this as well I think you have this advantage that you're not chasing quarterly revenue numbers or annual revenue numbers. It's like do the right thing for the language, irrespective of and good sort of corporate happen. constraints around all of that. Yeah, and good yeah, things will it's, happen. It, it's 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 guess. It, oh, it's good to be uh, liberated from uh, making any money. <laughs> And, and speaking of liberation, <laughs> let me liberate our listeners from this conversation for just a few seconds for this very important message. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Couchbase. Couchbase is a modern, multi-cloud-to-edge, SQL-friendly JSON document database for building applications with agility, performance, and scale. If you're new to Couchbase and would like to learn more, the Couchbase Developer Portal is the best place to start. It's loaded with tutorials, videos, and documentation, as well as best practice tips, quick start guides, and community resources, including the Couchbase Developer Community Forum. Ready to get started developing on Couchbase? Visit couchbase.com slash dot net rocks. That's couchbase.com slash dot N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S. Hey, Carl and Richard here. As you may have heard, NDC is back, offering their incredible in-person conferences around the world. And we'd like to tell you about them. NDC Oslo will be November 28th through December 2nd. We're going to be recording some episodes there. Come see us in the fishbowl. Go to ndc-oslo.com to register. NDC Security Oslo is January 17th through the 20th. Early bird discount for NDC Security Oslo ends October 24th. Go to ndc-security.com to register. NDC London will be January 23rd through the 27th. Early bird discount for NDC London ends October 26th. Go to ndc-london.com to register. NDC Copenhagen is March 14th through the 17th. Go to ndccopenhagen.com to register. NDC Porto is happening April 24th through the 28th. Early bird discount for NDC Porto ends February 1st. Go to NDC Porto to register. Check out the full lineup of conferences at ndcconferences.com. And we're back. It's uh, .NET Rocks. I'm Carl, and that's Richard. Hi. And that's Mads, and we're talking C Sharp 10, of course. Um, I, think, I think we talked about one feature I know. So far. I'm looking at the <laughs> clock, and I'm like, uh, you did mention that uh, some of the new features were prompted by requirements from the ASP.NET team. I'm really interested to hear what those are. Yeah. Yeah, we have sort of a, we've had a bit of a joint uh, push for uh, in simplifying things uh, across uh, ASP.NET and, and C-Sharp, where the the experience of a developer coming to C-Sharp, for instance, to build a website, mm. could be a lot simpler. Like we built, um, we built C-Sharp with a bunch of like, boilerplate you always have to have to even get to writing Hello World. And we've started for a couple of versions now, we've hacked away at that. And, and C-Sharp 10 is no exception. Mm. We um, we did things like um, uh, global using, where yeah. instead of instead of having those using uh, clauses at the top of every file, and now you're like, oh, but I can see that some of them are grayed out. Should I clean them up? Or, right. you know, will I need them later? And all that stuff that you think you that you feel like you should garden around and that that pushes your actual relevant code further down the screen we just said hey you can put it all in one file and slap a global keyword in front of it and now it applies to all the files in your in your project and i guess the um the question i have is what if you have namespaces with collisions and you want to say no i don't mean this global one i mean um so if i put a using statement that has, let's say, uh, a namespace with the same uh, classes in it, class names, as one mm-hmm. that's global. The local one takes priority, I assume. Yeah, I mean, if there's a, um, if the, if one is nearer, then you can you can do tricks like that. But mostly, actually, we just said, you know what, that happens fairly rarely. Yeah, and it if is that's rare. a problem. Just just don't just don't have a global using for that one. Right. You know, right. or live with 
live with having to disambiguate it in code, like put the namespace in front in, in those few places. Generally, it this is the, that is the kind of hand wringing that has kept us from doing stuff like this for uh, a long time. Okay. We just said, you know, the the um, the cases for that kind of thing is they're rare enough that let's just go. Yeah, with we it. can work around them. We're programmers for crying out loud. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the majority of cases is going to be useful. Yeah. And that is definitely that is very similar for a, another feature we added in the same vein, which is we call them file scoped namespaces, which, you know, for I, I if you count up, if you gave me a penny for every every space that had been put in front of lines of code just because namespaces are indented, I, I wouldn't need to work anymore. Um, so uh, that's just, I mean, people could have narrow monitors if you didn't have to indent code that was in, in, in namespaces. Oh, it's man. Really like, I like my 49-inch monitor, though. You know, yeah. I need I need justification for yes, this. You should be getting a royalty for all these monitor That's sales. Right. There, well, Mads. Yeah, think of it think of it the other way then. You can write longer lines of code now. Okay. Because so it's another one of those features where it's super simple. You can if you say name you know how you say namespace something on top, mm -hmm. instead of putting a curly, if you just put a semicolon, then it applies to the whole file. Well that boom. That kind of uh um sounds like stuff that you did in C sharp nine with removing all the constructors and and stuff that just blew my mind. And and when I read code like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I you know, it takes me a second and I know I'll get used to it, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm just so used to, you know, yeah. having curly braces. We're definitely removing your cheese a little bit. Yeah, um, I think it's good. <laughs> um, and it, it's it's one of those, like, what's good for the long term? Right. We, we can't be in the business of preserving muscle memory forever. That's then true. We can't, <laughs> then we can't make things better. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, and, you know, but it's one of those features where you then get to all the questions. Well, what if I have, you know, two namespaces in my file? Mm. Or what if, you know, what if I want a nested namespace? And what should the rules be if I do more than one of these and so on? And in the end, we said, you know what? If you do this, you can only have one namespace in that file then you can say nothing else about namespaces. And that covers 99 point some percent of your cases because almost nice. everyone only has one namespace. And we know this because we can actually go and count in right. on GitHub. All the public repos, we just went and counted. And there was, I can't remember if it was 99.3 and 99.4 of them had exactly one namespace. So we we're like, yeah. we don't have to worry about those last 0.6%. Yeah. They can just do what they always did. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, geez, do you have to even be at those kinds of numbers? Isn't it at 80? Isn't it worth it? You it probably know, would have been. Mm -hmm. This was just yeah. like extra super overwhelming. We don't even have to, like anyone who comes and says, I have a I have a use case, we're like, yeah, but you're one out of eight yeah, people. Yeah, you're the, the weirdo, world. and that's okay. And, you yeah. can go be a weirdo over yeah. there. And to reiterate, you're a programmer. Work around it. It's like, that's what yeah. we do. Yeah. And also, it worked well for you for 20 years. Yeah. And it's going to continue to work just as well for you. Mm -hmm. There's just this mm -hmm. little extra nice thing you can't have. And it's Sorry. optional, you know? Yeah, Do you exactly. call that sort of a newfound confidence here? Or is it just because you have a view of so many use cases now, being able to look look at GitHub data that way? I Sometimes we can. We There are a couple of ways that we get more confidence. So I think to some degree, you're right. We have a newfound confidence. The old confidence was we had Anders, and he was always confident. Um, yes. and, <laughs> and usually right also. Yeah, that was really annoying. That helps. <laughs> oh, man. Good riddance. We can't have that kind of supercharged guy. Go, uh, off, go off to your TypeScript area. You do that. You go do that. <laughs> oh. You do so, realize yes. we're kidding, of course. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Uh, yes, the, we're, the last, we're, we're, the we're last, teasing a friend. Anders is the <laughs> nicest the man in the world. Twenty second. Yeah, he is so great. He he still um he still weighs in. You know, we uh, we bring him in for design reviews, mm. and I talk mm -hmm. to him uh, most weeks. And so, cool. but but as a result of yes, open source, both in terms of us being able to access so many many million lines of C sharp code mm -hmm. to yeah. just see what do people do. Um, and also in terms, of course, of our own uh, compiler and and language design process being completely open source, 
we get such a good feedback loop. Um, sure. And so, and, so that gives uh, us I, that gives us that kind of confidence that we can see. Okay, that a lot of people really struggle here. We should help, and this would work for a lot of people. So this is what we should do. You know, we can get that cases, kind of yeah. thing before we ship. <laughs> you know, because I think one of the challenges in this sort of open source space or in any of these spaces is that the most engaged tend to also be the most exotic. Oh yeah. You know, like. The, the person most likely to want more than one namespace is very noisy. Yeah. It's very engaged. And, 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 I, and I don't even say that in a negative way, but really that often, you know, the funny part, I, and I've told this story many times. I remember being, uh, when, when Steven Sinofsky was working on, on Windows in the IE9 context, and he talked to a bunch of the influencer types at one of those offsite meetings. And he said, how many people here use bookmarks? And everybody put up their hand. He says, well, I have the, the Watson data for you, and it's 1% of users that use bookmarks. They just all happen to be in this room. <laughs> yeah. interesting. Right? Because it was a self-selecting process. Yeah. Right? The kind of personality that would be in that room was the one that pressed against these things. It's like, I got bad news for you. Do no new features for bookmarks. So it's a great, great thing that you can just look through GitHub and see what people are actually yeah. doing. Regular repositories, like get away from that self-selecting mechanism right. of engagement for better or worse yeah. into just people doing their yeah, work. Your, your yeah. MVPs aren't your regular customers. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's exactly right. And, and definitely the most, um, Vocal people in our in our GitHub repositories, C Sharp Lang for designing C Sharp, also aren't typical. However, mm -hmm. they are also like super useful. Yeah. They, yes. I mean, it, they they might have they might skew to a different set of feature preferences than everyone else, but they are not like they are not like disjoint sets, right? They're overlapping Venn diagrams, mm -hmm. and when they get to work on on the stuff that's in the overlap, then it, it's it's really good stuff. Like we get really good uh, both design input and uh, implementation contributions uh, from people that are themselves smart and that would probably reach for uh, discriminated unions as soon as they come out, but also um, just do really good work that benefits everyone. So it's, they come with a bias, but it's still a broader bias than the team that works at Microsoft. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I think that, that we we just gotta keep as many channels of communication open as we possibly can. Yeah. And then I mean, of course, again, I worry about if it's only GitHub repositories, that's also a filter. That's exactly but right. There's only yeah. so much you can do. There's a lot of source code behind firewalls that even in the you don't you don't get to analyze in the aggregate. Right. And so there are all kinds of other, you know, talk to customers is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also Weird. talk talk to partner teams, which sort of brings us back to ASP.NET in that their customers and the things that they want to do with C Sharp are things that we also take into account. And, and uh, they have been very hard at work simplifying, getting to a much smaller, minimal, they call it minimal APIs sometimes, like a... The, the minimal thing you have to do to get to a web page is much smaller now. With the with the help of some of these general C sharp features like top level programs and and all those other ones we talked about in C sharp ten, but also uh, one of the things that really has been a help for them is some is some of the work that we've done on lambda expressions because one of the things you typically want to do when you set up a web page is well you just want to add some callbacks right you want to uh, you know, when I set up a, uh, a path, you know, a handler for mm. something comes in this way. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you supply a callback in the, in the shape of a Lambda. And, um, and they're fairly, they want to be fairly loosely typed about it so that those Lambdas can have some different shapes and they're not necessarily, they don't all like fit one strong delegate type and so on. So what we've done is that we've, um, we've, added several capabilities to lambdas we've allowed them to have attributes we've allowed them to uh, to specify return types but we've also made it so that if they have enough type information in them they have their own type they no longer have to sort of be converted to a pre-specified delegate type and that means that you can you can you can just take a lamp if the lambda has enough information in it that we can figure out its sort of quote unquote natural type then you can just assign it to a weekly type variable 
or use it in type inference or something like that. And they make great use of that to lower the ceremony of what you have to write when you when you do um, when you when you give those callbacks in their very minimal API. We've had a really mm -hmm. great collaboration with them around um, making it expressive enough that it addresses their scenarios without making it so breaking that it breaks the scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, uh, and breaks everyone else too much. So we've sort of like um, it's been a very very fruitful collaboration getting it where Lambda expressions are just right in terms of um, of the expressiveness and and risk of breakage and so on that they have. This just seems to be a kind of a cultural shift to just sort of the minimal this minimal idea or almost minimalism in in code and framework. Do you see it as a security thing, like just reducing surface area by default or a performance thing? Like it's, I've seen in a lot of places, I'm still not sure what's driving it. I those things play in for sure, but I actually think that the um, the primary thing that's driving it is usability. The more, mm -hmm. I mean. That think about how error prone your code is. The more boilerplate yeah. you have to write, the more mistakes you're going to make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you only have to say the essential stuff, then that's the only thing that you need to get right. Right. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so the more, so there is certainly a there's a, a correctness and safety aspect to it, but there's also just how approachable is it. If I've been writing in some other language, which you know there are some people out there that don't use C sharp, I've heard. Um, like crazy talk, but okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, um, <laughs> got to keep uh, at least a little bit of, uh, pay a little bit of attention to that. And uh, it's a byproduct of a mature language. We are talking about C sharp 10. Yeah. Is this a proliferation? It does tend to get bigger. And so to minimalize is to try and shake off the croft to some degree to sort of get down to the essence of the what's important today. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's, um, it's getting to what is sort of what is the acceptable or desirable state of the art today as opposed to 20 mm. years ago. Yeah. Um, how much are people willing to say <laughs> before they get to execute the first line of code or in order to to hook up a call? Like if you look at the story of Lambdas is the story of that evolution of C sharp from C sharp one to C sharp 10 uh, from before they were even there. Mm to you know how they have become easier to use and more and more integrated and so on. Right. Um, and you see that with many, many features that the state of the art programming languages is evolving. Mm -hmm. And if C Sharp stuck to the old ways, then I'm sure there in, there's enough legacy code out there that people would keep using it for a while, but they would enjoy it less and less. <laughs> and and yes. they, would, they would choose it less and less for new things. There's plenty of legacy COBOL out there too. Right. Yeah, and so there has to be, there has to be this simple way of using C sharp, modern simple way, mm -hmm. and that's something that is a moving target, of course, and that's why we keep evolving it as you know, as well as those new scenarios that you want to use it for that didn't used to be around that are also kind of a driver for innovation. Yeah, um, and like you know, when like when this thing called the cloud came around or smartphones and so on, those never turn, catch on. <laughs> those turns in the uh, in the industry that you just want to be able to serve them well, and so mm -hmm. so then we of course we get to a challenge of well we also can't take things out because then people's code starts breaking. They can't were doing break. it. The, yeah. They were doing it the old way because that was the way they had when they wrote the code. Right. And, you know, it's not their fault. Uh, that was what we gave them, and we can't just come up and say no. Okay. Sorry, um, that's not the way to do things anymore. But if you rewrite all of your code, then you know things are fine. Right. So we have to. I'm find looking at you, Visual a... Basic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not going. No, there. no. Uh, so <laughs> you can laugh, though. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so we have to. And that's something that we're struggling with a little bit, or thinking about, I should say, right mm -hmm. now, is how can we, how can we make that modern subset of C sharp more explicit and easier to fall into as a pit of success yeah. without heart deprecating parts of the language. Like what is a what is a golden middle there in terms of encouraging, uh, pr promoting a, a uh, minimal, beautiful, modern style of programming in C sharp mm. 
uh, while still ke- keeping it every keeping everything going. Right. Yeah. Content and uh, contending with the modern view of things, the change of the way data is stored, the change the uh, the expansion of communication, the ready availability of compute. You know, and I'm looking at you know, the modern state right now as opposed to the constraints you're functioning in 20 years ago. Yeah. And that it's a it's funny because it's the same language, but you're not going to rec- the code's going to be very different. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have a question about records uh, and record types. Obviously, you know, announced to create a sort of an Im- immutable type that's a a, a, a a reference type for values and all of that. And in C sharp ten, I noticed that you gave uh, developers the ability to seal the two string method. And I kind of get it, but I kind of don't. I mean, so basically, what that means is that if you have a base record uh, and your your two string has you know gives the representation of it, you can seal it so that an ancestor class, when somebody does a two string on that, will get the the two string implementation from the base. But I, I I'm I'm a, I mean it kind of registers, but I, maybe I need a good. I feel like the guy in math class that said, when would I ever use algebra? You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> need a concrete <laughs> Look, example. There's, this is a tiny, tiny feature of C sharp 10. Mm. One of the, one of the things uh, that we spent maybe a surprising amount of time on, or maybe not surprising, but a lot of time on uh, with records was figuring out what is the interaction between what the compiler generates and what a user can write themselves uh, when there's also inheritance around. Mm. And we want, so we want to have all these default behaviors um, that we implement by implementing some members for you, mm-hmm. like um, like equals and, um, and two string. Yep. Uh, and at the same time, we are telling people, well, you can do it yourself if you want, and then we'll keep our hands off of mm. it. And then we will, and then if you do that in a base class and you override, then we have to f- figure out like what happens then? Mm. What, when, what does the comp- compiler generate then? Yeah. And in some places uh, that was a little broken uh, where it was too easy for people to get into a situation where the compiler would just refuse to generate a record mm. um, uh, because it couldn't override some things in the base class or whatnot in the base record. Mm. And we said, you know what, let's, Let's loosen up some of those. People came to us with scenarios. We we're like, yeah, no reason really. We'll let you do that. And we'll we'll work around it. Mm. Um, so it's it's more sort of just tinkering with that okay. that human computer interface that is between the the programmer and the compiler generated code there, right? And giving you flexibility and letting you control what happens. Yeah. Still not clear on when you might want to use that, but okay. Somebody obviously thought it was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm. You can hear I'm just waffling yeah. a bit because I can't actually I can't access that. No, that's okay. That's okay. Like, sure, it's one of them things. So C sharp ten sounds cool, uh, and you said that uh, at least one C sharp eleven feature kind of snuck in there. What else can you say about C sharp eleven? Yeah, so we we started cooking. Uh, C sharp 11. And one thing that we realized in C sharp 10 was that a year is a really short time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As we, and as we talked about, we're, we're moving more to sort of a train model. Right. And there were definitely some things that, that we were really eager to do that just didn't land as we had hoped in C sharp 10. Mm. So there, there are features that we thought would make it into C sharp 10 and we put a lot of work into them. And they just didn't quite make it. Mm-hmm. And those are prime candidates for C sharp 11, of course, and, are, and we're starting work on them now. Okay. A few of those are, and one relates to the whole sort of record slash initialization uh, topic again, which is required properties. You know, if you use object initializers, you can't really make people, if you rely on object initializers for initialization, you don't provide like constructor parameters or something on your type. Mm-hmm. Then there's not really a way to compel people to initialize a given member. Okay. You can just hope that they do so, um, and we would like to provide a way to compel it. So there's uh, tentatively there's a required keyword that you can put on a member, and then somebody has to initialize it. You know. Right. And um, otherwise, you get a compiler error when you try to create the object. 
that's one thing that we'll we'll keep pushing on. Cool. Um, another thing is sort of like taking the boundary between auto properties and manual manually written properties and and blurring that a little more. Um, auto properties, as you know, do two things: they generate a backing field automatically. And then they also generate getters and setters, sometimes setters, mm. um, if you ask for it, uh, to to access that backing field with this sort of obvious code. Mm. Now, if you want just a little bit of non-obvious code in there, then all of a sudden, you know, you fall off the cliff and you have to write everything yourself. You have to write a backing mm -hmm. field. You have to write both the getter and the setter, even though it was only the setter that needed a little, like, it needed some argument, or some checking on the thing coming in. Mm -hmm. And we want to blur that boundary by saying, Essentially, every property is an auto property <laughs> in the sense that it it is capable of generating a backing field. And if you access it using the new field keyword, then we will, in fact, generate that backing field. And if not, hmm. and if you uh, and if you don't have automatically generated uh, getters and setters, then we won't generate a backing. field. Hmm. But essentially, you can. One way to another way of putting it is you can manually write some or all of your accesses on an auto property and they can access the backing field with a keyword. Wow. That's cool. So that so that sort of like hits most places in on the spectrum between auto properties and, and manual properties uh, and gives more of a glide path for when you I just want to do that one extra thing. Yeah. You don't fall off the cliff. You can just take it to the next sort of stop on the on the dial yeah very cool yeah i think uh you're finding less and less need for the sort of plugins like uh um you know resharper and uh i mean you're still going to need those things but, but uh those tools that you know like code rush that do a lot of these automatic generation of code in visual studio the language itself is getting more uh, uh terse so yeah I think whenever you have a tool that a popular tool that dumps a lot of code in your file, then that's a smell in the language. Yeah, you know, right. That's like so that's an abstraction that isn't there that probably maybe should be there. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> right. Well, uh, wow, this is good stuff, Mads. What's next for you? I mean, obviously you're still working on this stuff, but uh, what maybe personally? Do you are you going to take a vacation anytime soon? I'm actually going away next week. No kidding. For just nice. A week. Yeah. Um, my wife and I just uh, heading to a little uh, a little cottage uh, on, in, on the San Juan Islands, not too far from Canada, Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I might have to pop down. There's only I know most of those islands. I've sailed them all. Yeah. Um, so just uh, just the two of us taking a little time off. Very good. Um, so that was a clue, Richard. Don't yeah. crash the party. Don't yeah. hey guys, I brought barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you don't stay for a week, I think that would be uh, uh it would be yeah. purely positive. I think in yeah, cocktails on a sunset is sort of the limit of visiting when when you're trying to get away for a while. Honestly, that's, seeing seeing you again in person would uh yeah, would be worth any awkwardness. Oh, that's, so that's, nice. that's nice for you to say. <laughs> but also, I mean, we're all gonna be together in December in Vegas too, right? That is also true. Yeah. That's yeah. too far away, but... Not too far. Uh, pretty soon the border's opening. I've, I've been uh, poked at for doing some stuff for .NET Conf, too, and it looks like I may well be able to drive across the border and do it in Redmond. Very good. Maybe uh, we can see each other in person there. I will certainly be doing that as well. That or I'll, that or I'll actually fly to Seattle, which is the dumbest thing, <laughs> yeah. but still might maybe be worth it. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the dumbest thing we've done to... Uh, to live with COVID, right? It's just yeah. uh, another, another Actually, hurdle. It's not the dumbest thing. It's moderately dumb. Yeah, <laughs> right? You'd rather not do it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. thanks a lot, Mads. It's always great to hear from you, and this was no exception. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you both. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Talks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios. 
a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 